Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast bringing you news in tech from around Ireland and across the globe. Remember, of course, you can hear Tech Radio on RTE Friday evenings or anytime you like with your favourite podcasting app from Apple, Google or Spotify. We also keep you up to date daily on all things tech with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. My name is Dusty Rhodes. This is episode 859 and I'm joined as always by our editor-in-chief, Niall Kitson, Looking extremely well today. Uh, lots of good news as well. Uh, Niall, you're going to tell us all about NFTs, which has just set the world of cryptocurrency and uh, online and di- digital. digital. Uh, do you know what it feels like? What? It feels like I'm standing up going, I don't know what a tracker mortgage is. <laughs> I don't know what an NFT is. What is a non-fungible token? A non-fungible token. Okay, right. You know the way that you look at a, a piece of artwork, right? We'll say Monks to Scream, for example, oft copied, mm-hmm. never, never equaled, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, something like Hopper's Nighthawks or something like that, right? And very yeah. often you'll go to somebody's home and they might have a print of it, you know, and it's, it's, it's a good enough reproduction and it might have, you know, a uh, gallery of wherever it happens to be just to differentiate itself from, from an original, you know, to... to Know, advertise that look this is a copy it's it's whatever mm-hmm. and you always know what the original is and where it is and you know it's got you know this it's signed off and everything like that and you know that the original um image has an incredible uh, amount of value attached to it you know and even though the picture may be the same there's a massive difference in value between the print and the original right so let's take that idea and go well all right Let's turn that into a digital asset. What if you could take an image that is widely available online or say you want to take an image and create a digital asset out of it, but create a a stamp that says, this is the original. This isn't just, you know, you going to see something or you seeing a picture of something or you seeing a picture of of something online. It's like, no, this is the thing that you're looking at right now. So if I create a piece of digital art or even if I just take a photograph with my phone, all right, uh, I can stamp that with an NFT, a non-fungible token to say this is the first ever of this thing. Mm. And it will be a unique code tied to that specific piece of and I can make as many copies as I want or people can make as many copies as they want or they can do as many screen grabs as they want, but they won't have the NFT. I'll be the only one with it to say I own it. You own it. And this has created sort of a mini boom, a mini sort of speculator's boom, because anything can be an NFT. You know, it, it could be, you know, as you said, it could be a photo, uh, as I alluded to there. It could be a, maybe a picture of digital art or something like that. But also mm. um, Grimes, which is Elon Musk's um, other half, she made $6.1 million, I think, on, a, on some digital tracks that she put together. Um, so, and Banksy. Uh, sold a piece of art for, my goodness, let me, let me double check what he actually sold it for because what it, what it ended up being sold on for is ridiculous. So, okay, Banksy sold uh, a fine art print for 90, he sold a, a piece of art 
for $95,000. It was bought by a company called Injective Protocol, turned that, turned that art, or rather burnt it, turned that process into an NFT and was able to sell that for $382,336. So the digital art was actually much more um, uh, much more valuable than the original non-destroyed piece of art okay. from which it was derived. This is wrecking me head, as we'd say on the north side, all right? Okay. So essentially, Banksy does a painting, all right? Yeah. And this company buys the painting and mm. it's valued, whatever, say 90, 100 grand, whatever mm-hmm. it happens to be. But they said, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to destroy this Banksy painting. It's like the one where that went on uh, auction and it, and it got ripped into shreds yeah, exactly. on the wall. It's destroyed yeah. and that almost makes it more valuable. Mm. So what they did was they bought this thing for 90 grand mm. and then they took a photograph of it and burnt it. <laughs> Right, is that what they did? And and then now they've put an NFT onto the photograph to say that this is the original. This is the actual photograph that was taken as we were burning the art, or the video, or whatever it was uh, uh, that they did. And because of that, and because of the story behind it, that's why uh, it's worth so much more. Have I got, have I got that right? Yeah, you're basically there. Yeah, yeah. So, and anything can become um, an asset like this. There, there's the influencer. I guess you might call him Jake Paul. He created a, a trading card um, mm-hmm. and sold that for a ridiculous amount of money. William Shatner took uh, a copy of a X-ray of his mouth. Okay, <laughs> his dental work. <laughs> Uh, he turned that into um, uh, an <laughs> NFT and made some money off that. It's a massive speculator's market. And it's it's very similar to, um, you know, the baseball uh, trading card market, you know, or, or Pokemon or something like that, mm. you know. Something unique is created. It's a, it's a specific asset. And uh, it, its uniqueness is its value. Uh, now, okay. if, it's, if it's something nobody is terribly interested in, it's not going to have a lot of value. Uh, if I was to take an x-ray of my mouth and turn it into an NFT, it's got no value whatsoever. Oh, uh, I, I'd pay good money for that, Niall. Don't you worry. 40, uh, 50, 50 cent maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> might, might manage to cover the cost of what it would take. Actually, do you know, you've just reminded me, uh, uh, Jack Dorsey. Uh, I think yes. I saw the story last week, actually. Uh, he's selling his first tweet. Exactly. And now I understand why, because, mm. yes, uh, how can you sell your first tweet? You just look at Twitter and there it is. But yeah. he's found a way then of proving that this is the first tweet and he's put an NFT on it. Yes. And mm. it's validated using a technology that you are particularly fascinated with, which is uh, mm-hmm. Bitcoin. It's based on the Ethereum blockchain. So that's ah, literally where the okay. stamp comes from. And it's, it's well, unusual. Well, now you see, the, the, from what I understand, uh, Bitcoin is something that holds value uh, uh, like gold. Okay. Mm-hmm. For the sake of that, I'm not going to say it's the same thing as gold, but I'm just saying if you put money into gold, you're keeping money there. Whereas Ethereum is kind of more like uh, cash. So you use it in your day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're rapidly anyway. becoming much more informed on crypto and Bitcoin than I am. And you're going to prove it in a few weeks. You're going to demonstrate well, the uh, depth of your knowledge because you, you are actually setting up a conversation with somebody who's an expert I in the field. I don't think I'll be setting up my knowledge. I think I'll be demonstrating my ignorance if I haven't done so capably already. Uh, but no, I had a very nice email in during the week and somebody who does know all about NFTs, hopefully we'll have them on the show in the next uh, week or two to actually tell us what it is actually all about. 
I think we're I, grappling I think with we're it. nearly there. We've, we've, we've got enough to put it on the back of it. <laughs> and you know what's going to happen? In two weeks' time, our expert's going to come on and goes, yeah, I heard that show. You guys are so wrong. So wrong. You're so, so wrong. wrong. <laughs> you your source. <laughs> do, you know what, do you know what? We should turn our entire back catalogue into NFTs. Oh, yeah. We would make so much money. <laughs> what are we up to? 855 shows? 855. I mean, if you got like maybe 10 cents for each one of those. Could you be looking at 80 quid, maybe? Eight quid. I don't know. 85 cent. <laughs> it's money I didn't have before. It's, it's a pretty good deal. Go. Listen, also making the uh, news today, uh, and sad news as well, is the inventor of the cassette has died. He's passed away. Yeah, a man, you know, responsible for, gosh, certainly my taste in music anyway. Uh, a, a large chunk of my adolescence was spent listening to... Um, Cassettes that were passed around from friends, C60s, C90s. Mr. Lou Ottens, Dutch engineer, extraordinaire, has passed away the age of 94, the inventor of the audio cassette, also a contributor to the development of the compact disc. Um, Dusty, as an audio purist, do you, do you love hate, love to hate, Mr. As an Ottens. audio purist, which is my favourite, is that what you're asking? Well, uh, I mean, do, do you look at it as the extent of God cassettes? They are great. You or, know, it's just funny. Be, I've been, I've I've been around uh, long enough to see a few of these mediums come uh, through the system, and it is quite annoying because I started off with vinyl, and then went from vinyl to cassette, and then went from cassette to uh, CD, and then went from CD to d- darn Spotify. All right. Um, and do I have a favourite amongst all of them? Probably I would say CD because CD tended to keep the cleanest recording for the longest amount of time. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't get scratched like a record would and it wouldn't have the hiss that a, a cassette would. Um, and it was also full quality, unlike uh, Spotify or Apple or any of those which are all compressed formats. Very good compressed formats, but compressed nevertheless. Um, so I think, and the other thing I really liked about CD, and did you know, this is what I miss. It's being able to put something in your hand and go, I own this. Even yeah. though they're kind of like, you know, well, you don't own it because for a start, I don't see the NFT on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a copy. <laughs> but it's lovely to have owned it. And it's the same with books and stuff like that. Like, I mean, I use the Kindle all the time now. Mm. And and I read books and there's something about not having a bookshelf with books on it that I, I do miss. But at the same time, like I, I got uh, two books uh, as presents for Christmas and I loved both of them and I flew through the pair of them and like they're gone. And when I say they're gone, I mean, they're literally sitting on the shelf and they're going to just going to stay there collecting dust. I should loan them to somebody. But uh, no, I think I think uh, my favourite would be the CD. Now, here's a little interesting piece of trivia for you. Okay. Okay. Cassettes were wildly popular. Were. And compact discs were wildly popular. Okay. Which one sold the most? Oh, now you have you have opened a can of worms. You've opened a can of worms. And I, I'm going to tell you why. Right. Uh, when you say how many have sold, right? For me, the cassette growing up was a combination of C60, mm-hmm. C90, mm-hmm. but also original music cassettes. Of course, yes. Which could have found, found you know, two albums onto a C90 mm-hmm. or one album onto a C60. So yeah. potentially 
you could have for every one cassette out there two albums but you would of course only have one album per cd right <laughs> so i'm i'm gonna couch this in you know swings and roundabouts territory <laughs> Is there um, an answer in here, Niall? Is there an answer? Okay. Uh, what was the question again? <laughs> Which sold the most? Cassettes the or most? CDs? I'm going to say CDs, uh, but I'm going to say whatever margin you throw at me is not going to be representative of the amount of material actually circulating out there. Oh my goodness. I'd hate to get into an argument with you, do you know? <laughs> Compact discs have uh, apparently sold 200 billion copies worldwide. Okay. And cassettes, which have been around a lot longer, have sold 100 billion copies worldwide. 100 billion. So CDs have sold twice as many as, uh, as cassettes. And I actually think that the reason for that is because cassettes and vinyl kind of lived side by side pretty much for a long time. So mm. you went into HMV or whatever, wherever, Golden Discs or whatever the music store was, and you would either buy that album on cassette or vinyl. And maybe mm-hmm. that's the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am actually very surprised by that because... Um, of of a certain piece of technology that you know we don't see its its contemporary version of much anymore, uh, even though I quite happily use mine. The Walkman versus the Discman. Oh, oh! Do you I know? Thought, do, you, do you know how many, which one was more popular? Oh, it's got to be the Walkman. It's got to uh, be. But do you know that? I would say that as well. Yeah, it, it is. It was a game changer. Um, I mean, the Discman is sort of a poor relation, um, but... No, it's not. Well... The Discman was superior sound, and, and well, know, yeah. I laugh I laugh when I say that immediately, because when I think of the headphones, I was listening to the music on <laughs> superior sound. Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> but the Discman was, you know, allegedly better sound uh, than what you get off the uh, uh, cassette. But the Discman was a pain in the rear end to lug around the place because the cassette and the Walkman was just it, so it much tighter is. and nicer. Yeah, true. Yeah, All right, I, anyway, I still enough. use my Discman. You do not. You don't. Oh, Niall. Niall, do you know what? I I have my, whenever I'm walking out and about, I I would have albums that that I've bought. Oh, God, no, you bring it outdoors. I bring it outdoors, yeah. You know know what? I have a Bluetooth dongle that will turn it into a a wireless. uh, Oh, that's fine. That's fine. And you keep it in your bag and no yeah. one will know. And nobody will know. <laughs> nobody will know. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, that's almost it for this week. Just one note um, for next week. Of course, we've got a day off for St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Goodness knows what we're going to do with it. But anyways, uh, there's, there's not even a parade to go to. But anyways, um, so St. Patrick's Day on Wednesday. Uh, if you are in around, uh, I think, four o'clock um, or three o'clock, Irish time. It's 10 a.m. Eastern time anyway. Uh, Samsung are doing another unpacked event. Oh, now. So they're going to be making uh, other other new big uh, announcements. Now, we were very excited earlier in the year because they uh, announced the S21 and all that kind of stuff. Uh, This time around, I've no idea what they're going with. I'm guessing probably the smaller phones, the Galaxy A or something like that, or maybe we'll we'll get a new version of the Flip. That would be something to see. 
something to do. You need something. You need something. You've got to say, no, no, I must, I must hurry up with my lunch. I must hurry up with my lunch. There's a webinar at three o'clock. I'm determined not to miss it. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, listen, uh, I, I will be, if I'm not watching it live, I, I, we will, of course, uh, keep an eye on that and we'll report on what Samsung have announced next week on the Tech Radio podcast. Listen, we'll wrap it up for there. Uh, Niall, as always, thank you for keeping us up to date with the news. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Smart D8 is a new smart city type initiative focused on the Dublin 8 area uh, of the capital city to improve the health and well-being of citizens by bringing together experts in healthcare, academia, local government and industry. Its first round of initiatives are focusing on the effects of COVID-19 on our physical and mental health. Now, Kitson caught up with the project lead, Orla Veal, to find out more. Orla, people might be familiar with uh, Smart Dublin as an idea, you know, that that sort of um, the, 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 the perspective that we can take different parts of the city and really accentuate and get the most out of them uh, thanks to new technology. But uh, what's happening in Dublin 8 that makes it particularly different from sort of other initiatives, say, out in the Docklands or out in Sandyford, which would have had, you know, uh, interest in connectivity or in business? Yes, Sal. So as you know, Smart Dublin um, bring together technology providers, academia and citizens looking at how to transform transform public service and enhance the quality of life of people living in those areas. So uh, with Smart Dublin, they have this district model where instead of looking at Dublin as an overall and looking at uh, one solution, uh, the district model has particular themes for t- particular areas so that we can focus on identifying solutions to problems around those areas. So you mentioned there uh, Smart Sandyford. So um, as a district, they're focused very much at looking at um, mobility, mobility as a service and the business community, how to bring them together in the area of Sandyford. Um, another district we have is Smart DCU. So DCU is a university campus district. So looking at how we can enhance uh, the experience of students and the experience on campus through through different ideas, through technology. And I suppose then Smart D8, we're the, the newest one on the block at the moment. Uh, we're a new district and we're unique in the fact that we focus on health and well-being. Also unique in the in the fact that there there's so many stakeholders uh, in the area. Of course, the the digital hub comes to mind as well. So you've got a, a fairly immense uh, talent pool to draw on when you've got the likes of James Hospital, and then across the road you've got the digital hub as well. Yeah, exactly. When the research was being done about where to establish the first health and wellbeing district, it really started to make sense around Dublin 8 very quickly, not just with the kind of stakeholders from an organisational perspective, but also the unique group uh, within the community and the diverse community living in Dublin 8 as well. But of course, uh, St. James's Hospital campus um, is a huge tenant within Dublin 8 and a huge influence on the community. And of course, with the Children's Hospital um, and all the other stakeholders on the campus, it's, it's a huge opportunity um, to, to really work with. So, of course, the year that it's been, I suppose, our, our perception of uh, what... Uh, what our involvement or our engagement with the healthcare services uh, has been like has, has really radically changed as, you know, our perception of what it takes to maintain a, a healthy body uh, and mind has changed over uh, the past year. So what sort of projects are you looking at uh, exploring in Smart D8? Yeah, no, it's a really good point you raise, Nob. Um, I suppose historically, when we thought of healthcare in Ireland, it was all about treating disease or managing disease in maybe a clinical setting. 
and where that's where in this district we're very much focused on health and well-being and looking at the broader sphere of what that actually includes so uh, we've engaged with the community since the project kind of started just before Christmas when I joined the team and to try and start understanding what's important to them. So we have event identified 10, ten themes and um, I won't go into all of them because there's a good bit of detail. But I suppose at the moment what we're doing as part of our launch, which happened this week, is doing an open call for pilots around three particular themes as a starting point. And it does reference what you mentioned there. One of the themes that we're doing an open call around is the impact of COVID-19 um, on people's health and well-being. So in our survey um, data, 68% of the residents who responded identified that COVID had made a negative impact on their health and well-being. So this isn't people who have actually um, been unfortunate enough to, to contract COVID. This is just the impact of the pandemic on their health and well-being overall. So that's a huge impact. Um, but it also feeds into the concept of people understanding their health and well-being a lot more um, in this time period and how health has become such a big focus. So um, it really is a great opportunity for us. So COVID-19 impact is one of our pilot calls and the other two are going to be mental health, which is an area in Ireland, of course, that needs a lot of work. But um, as we've heard and um, through some of the reports and research coming out, it's going to be a bigger area that needs a lot more support uh, from the impact of the last year. And then the other theme is population health. So this is looking at chronic disease management, um, but also just preventative health. So how can people look after themselves? And really what we want to do is help people in the community stay well, stay healthy and avoid engaging with the hospital system if they can. And I suppose a, a large part of uh, what you'll be doing is, I suppose, putting together sort of teams of people that wouldn't ordinarily uh, be working together. Yes, yes, very much so. So we've been very lucky in the fact that when we've been talking to people about this concept and idea, there's absolutely huge enthusiasm to get involved. So our vision for this project, I know when you get into a lofty vision, is to transform the health and well-being of people through innovation and collaboration. But by innovation, of course, we mean like implementing practical ideas that can really make an impact. But the collaborative ecosystem that's already started to grow and the enthusiasm for people to be open and, and, and really get stuck into trying to solve problems together has really blown me away already in this project. So we mentioned already St. James's and the other clinical side, we have St. Patrick's Mental Health Services, Health Innovation Hope Ireland and HSC Digital Transformation. From the public authorities, uh, we have Dublin City Council and of course, Smart Dublin. You mentioned there the digital hub earlier, um, which is um, based in Dublin Asia, the largest um, host of technology companies in the country. But we also have Guinness Enterprise Centre um, engaged as a partner. Then when it comes to academia, we've Tyndall National Institute, who are a huge, uh, usually successful re research organisation. We've NCAD, again, a local tenant in, in the area. And Trinity College have come through uh, to work on this project through their research and innovation team and the Translational Medicine Institute. So that's just the, the founding partners in the ecosystem, but already it's starting to massively grow into a, a huge ecosystem. And that's a, a big part of what we want to achieve with the project is a sustainable long-term ecosystem that continues to work together and um, to really improve things and look at things differently because the, the unique group of people who've come together with different perspectives to solve problems. And, and I suppose that presents the, the issue of how to engage with the community at large and explain, you know, what's going on, but also what the, the benefit is uh, as well. Because I imagine you're dealing with a, a broad cross section of people, some, some of which are, you know, very, very willing to talk about their situation, their healthcare needs, whatever. Uh, but I imagine an awful lot of people that, you know, 
aren't just comfortable talking uh, to, to strangers about funny research projects or, or you know, who have real projects, real problems uh, that you can help with, but just aren't used to uh, engaging with professionals like that. Yeah, exactly. It's a very good point. And I suppose in our initial engagement with the community, it's all been virtual. So that's another kind of trust level that you're trying to build um, in the community at the moment. But I suppose from the community engagement, we're very involved with the local community organizations who are already working in the area and building relationships with them at the same time as dealing with people individually, just to really understand what we're trying to do and where we're coming from. Um, but also make sure that we're listening to actually really what they need and what they want. Um, because this project is very much demand-led innovation or needs-based innovation based on what the community need and want. And we're hoping by listening to them, understanding what they need, that we can build that trust that they want to be more and more involved with this project. And of course, with the amazing partners we have that have great relationships already in the community, um, we hope that will help support in them understanding that it really is a positive objective that we're coming to them with. So you've just issued uh, your first request for uh, for projects at the moment. So uh, if somebody has an idea, uh, how do they, do they go about pitching it? Yes. Yeah, so in our, our kind of, there's two ways to engage in the project. I suppose the collaborative ecosystem, that's my role, um, is really facilitating that and engaging with people who want to be part of the ecosystem. So people who are hungry to get involved hungry to contribute to the project and really want to do things differently. Because as you mentioned earlier, people are much more aware of the healthcare system in Ireland. We've had a major knowledge sharing over the last year, but we can all see the problems and the resources and the issues. So we don't want to focus on the problems. We want to really use this project to focus on the solutions. It's a real opportunity for us with this awareness um, in the broader sphere of, of the problems that need to be addressed. We can bring really great, smart people together with the all the great, smart people in the community to try and change how we're doing things. So it, with the, that ecosystem, it's getting in touch with me and uh, having a chat and we can work out how you can be part of it. But then with our, our pilot calls, so throughout the project, we're going to do two pilot calls a year for formal projects. And to get involved with that, there's an application form on the website. So if you go to smartd8.ie, and it'll bring you through to the homepage and it'll link you through to applying for the pilot calls, which are again, mental health, population health and COVID-19 impact. And it's quite a, a short process. We don't want to make it too much of a block um, and to, to submit and um, they'll be assessed and evaluated and rolled out this year. And that was Niall Kitson chatting with Orla Veal from the Smart D8 initiative. That's it for our show this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie and of course you can listen to us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself Dusty Rhodes, thank you so much for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.